the story of numbers really is a story of a group of uh, various groups of people, not just, you know, goths or punks or the LGBT. I mean, really, there's probably a better way to say this, but like the most normal looking people also go to number. I mean, it really is just a mix of, you know, you might be dancing next to a goth teenager and then like a lawyer who just got off of work. You know, I mean, it's, it really is this wild mix of people. So really at the heart of it is acceptance and inclusion. That's what everyone, everyone in their interview, and I've interviewed hundreds of people, everyone talks about like walking in and feeling a sense of community or just a sense of belonging, a sense of acceptance, especially in Houston at a time in the 80s and 90s when things were probably a little bit harder to be different. Numbers always stood for come as you are, open door, nobody's going to judge you. And so that's, that's the heart of the film. And I think anyone in any city can relate. That's Marcus Ponteo talking about Numbers Nightclub, a storied venue in Houston, Texas that you've probably never heard of. But that's all going to change with his new documentary, Friday I'm in Love, which screens tonight at the Austin Film Society, part of the Sound Unseen Film Festival. On this episode of Juilliards, we're talking about Marcus's journey to making a movie, even though he didn't study film and had never made a film before. Marcus, I am so excited to talk to you because I grew up in Houston and the film that you're bringing to Austin, which is called Friday I'm in Love, is all about this nightclub called Numbers, which is really legendary in Houston. And I don't think a lot of people in other places know that. And like, I remember hearing about Numbers when I was in middle school and thinking, oh, I can't wait. So I think it's thrilling that you've made a documentary about it. And I want to start with your background. Like, where did you grow up and what are all the things that had to happen for you to get to this point where you made a film about numbers? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think like a lot of people that, you know, find their way at numbers, I came from the suburbs of Houston, Pearland, Texas, you know, classic suburb of, you know, not a whole lot to do, <laughs> especially, um, you know, I grew up as a, you know, gender nonconforming queer kid looking for Montrose, which, you know, for an Austin audience, Montrose is the kind of destination for nightlife, LGBT community, the art, vintage shopping. I mean, it's where you, you know, it's where you want to be if you, certainly if you grow up in the suburbs, but, um, you know, just a lot of wonderful things happening in Montrose. And of course, Numbers is in the heart of Montrose. So, you know, as a teenager, I wanted to be in that neighborhood and I got accepted into the high school for the performing and visual arts, um, HSPVA for short, which actually has moved since then. But when I went there in the early 2000s, it was um, several blocks from numbers. So I had always heard of number, and, you know, growing up in Houston, you know, there's, there's always this talk about like numbers, you know, just like the story you said, right. It, it almost has this kind of mystique. Um, and it's one of the few clubs where you, you can be, under 21, um, of course, you get an X on your hand, but you, you can go and, and have a good night and not drink. So I got exposed to the club very early. I was 15, which probably, um, you know, I feel like everyone was like either 14 or 15 when they started going to numbers. Um, probably, you know, I probably should have been 18, but, um, you know, I looked 18, so they let me in. And I was in 10th grade. A student at HSPVA and some, um, I had been going to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This all sounds so cliche, <laughs> but um, <laughs> like everyone's journey, um, fell in love with Rocky Horror, met the coolest people who were a little older than me. And, you know, they took me on a Friday night 
um, changed my life. You know, I walked in and I was just like, oh my God, what is all of this music? You know, I, I obviously missed out on the 80s. Um, born in 88, but missed out on, you know, growing up in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it exposed me to a world of incredible alternative music, some of which I kind of grew up listening to from my older sister. And my parents, you know, listened to some cool music. But I mean, my God, you know, it just a whole canon of music that I didn't know existed. And of course, just an incredibly diverse, incredible audience. You know, you walk into numbers and you're like, this is unlike anything, you know. A lot of people have that experience, just like I've never experienced anything like this. Just all walks of life kind of melting on the dance floor in a way that I've never experienced anywhere else. That is true. So basically, you know, you same, right? Um, so that was, you know, that was my, my love affair with numbers. Um, and then I uh, went off to uh, a school called CalArts in LA to study acting. So I kind of like, you know, I went to high school for the performing and visual arts to study acting, thinking that was going to be my thing. I did not go to film school. And I kind of fell into film really just randomly. I mean, I was 20 when I started the numbers documentary. I'm 34 now. I was probably 23. And I just kept on thinking about like, I was living elsewhere. I was living in New Orleans, actually, at the time. And I just kept on missing my Friday nights at numbers and kept on questioning like what like what is drawing me what is drawing me back to that place like what is it about that place that I can't stop thinking about and I thought well maybe this is just like a short story or like I don't know maybe I just like interview some people and it's like a like a journalist thing that's like published on Facebook or something I don't know and then once I met the original owner of the club I was like oh my God, this has to be a movie. I have to figure out how to like be a filmmaker and get people to help me. And, you know, I didn't know anything about film. I didn't know how to use a camera. I didn't know how to like, you know, light an interview. (laughs) Of course I had help, but then, you know, there were times when I had to figure this out on my own. So that's kind of everything in a nutshell, how it, how it started. Once I started diving into the history, which I didn't really know a whole lot of at the time, I was amazed and thought, oh my God, this has to be a documentary film. There's no other way to tell the story. I love that you were like, this has to be a film. I'm not currently a filmmaker. I have no idea how to make a film, but I'm going to figure it out. I mean, that just <laughs> seems like it yeah, would, yeah. was so hard. Yeah, I think also not knowing how hard, especially a documentary. I mean, like a feature documentary, people would say like, you know, start with a short film or like yeah. something else. But I, you know, that's like a really big undertaking. But I was so like naive about the process of filmmaking. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't approaching it as like a filmmaker. I just was a passionate, you know, artist, I guess, right? Um, wanting to tell a story. So I didn't, I went into it a little blindly, which probably helped me. Had I known <laughs> how difficult it would be, it, it could have steered me away from it. Um, but I was just led by my passion to translate this story through a film and to share it. You know, I mean, that's really what film is, right? Just sharing a story. So, yeah, kind of crazy, kind of crazy to not ever make a film and then decide to do it. But, um, you know, obviously I had I had help along the way, a very small team. And How did you know who to reach out to? Like, did you have some colleagues from CalArts? that had studied film? I had reached out to some people from CalArts just to get some pointers. And, you know, I mean, I had never interviewed anybody. I didn't, you know, I was really good at research. So I had that in my belt. You know, I knew how to like be a good detective and dive into research. But like, yeah, like the technical part was lost. 
so I did um, team up. There were it just happened really through Facebook. Um, there were there was a, a team early on uh, from Houston that I connected with. They had a production studio, and so they helped me, you know, with a lot of the early technical stuff. Um, and I mean, again, it was like at most. Uh, probably three people working on this, like at most, you know, and uh, that was never consistent, but that was like the, the, at most, maybe three or four people. So it was very, very, very intimate team. I didn't have like, you know, <laughs> the luxury of a, you know, research department and, you know, right. I was the research. Houston also, a lot of people here in town have made their own like Houston archives. I mean, obviously the Houston library is great. Um, but a lot of people have taken the liberty to kind of, I think maybe because Houston is, is just a little off the radar, you know? Um, but if you're from Houston, you're like, wait, but there's so much that's happened in the city. That's really incredible. I mean, numbers, hello, it's, you know, it rivals any club in New York or LA, but mm-hmm. nobody knows about it outside of Texas. So there's a lot of these like wonderful archives, you know, kind of DIY, you know, little archive places in Montrose that were full of information. So that was so helpful. Yeah. So start to finish, this was years and yeah. years. How long in total? Oh my God. Ugh. I started in 2000. My first interview was 2012. So wow. whatever that math is. Yeah. <laughs> What's the math? I can't think. <laughs> yeah. Almost about, about a decade almost. Yeah. 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 And the editing, I mean, the research was the longest part, um, but the editing, you know, like any one always says about film, the editing process was definitely the hardest. Oh but. my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I'll <laughs> tell you what, I know nothing about editing, editing video, except for what we do for social media, which is hard enough. But what I know about audio editing is that there are always more choices. So I imagine it's the same oh in film editing. Like yeah. it's never really done. At a certain point, you just have to let it go because there's always yep. a different choice. Right. I, and that was my problem. I kept on finding people and finding more interviews and finding some other story that was interesting. And, and I had to like, I had to cut it off because it, it could just keep on going. And, you know, there were interviews with original owners, Bruce Godwin, one of the iconic owners of the club. I mean, his interview, I did two of them. They were six hours in length, you know, that's six hours of like, and he was an incredible, I mean, he was like meant for radio, you know, his sound bites were like, everything he said was so good. So that's like six hours of, I don't know how to make this, you know, down to, you know, what it needs to be in the film. That's really, really hard to do. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, the editing, uh, I, I think COVID helped really light a fire under me because we didn't know, you know, like any bar club, like I didn't know if numbers was we didn't know if numbers was going to um, come back from COVID. Oh, right. So when COVID hit, I really was like, okay, this story has to get out there. It's important. People have to see this. I can't just show this to like my mom and dad and like my best friends. Like this needs to be seen by the world. <laughs> and what and a great time to sit at home and edit and edit and edit, right? Well, I, you know, as a as horrible of a time it was, as it was, yes, it was a wonderful time to, you know, I, this wonderful editor, uh, Mary Deschamps, came on and helped me edit and really make sense of it all. Um, so that was kind of a turning point for me. Interesting how things unfold kind of organically. Right. So you've called the film Friday I'm in Love. I guess that's also yeah. a nod to the song by The Cure. 
It is, totally. But also, and you will know this, but people that don't know Numbers, uh, Friday night at Numbers is the iconic night of the club. It's kind of been Friday night since the 80s, which is their 80s night, right? So they have this alternative 80s night that has been going on literally nonstop since the 80s. I think Classic Numbers Friday nights started in 1991. So people in the early 90s were still requesting all of this wonderful alternative music. Bands like, you know, Susie and the Banshees, The Cult, The Cure, Ministry, um, all of whom played at Numbers, right? So pretty much every band you can think of from the 80s and 90s all played at Numbers. Some of them multiple times, you know, Nine Inch Nails played there like five or six times. Um, so people by the early 90s uh, were requesting all of this music still from the 80s. So the club decided, Wes Wallace, the DJ, um, decided to turn Friday night into kind of a nostalgic night, even though, you know, they were only two years into the ni- in the 90s, you know. Um, but it's kind of just been going on ever since, um, every Friday, literally. I think, obviously, COVID was the first time that they stopped the club and then I think a hurricane other than that every Friday since the 80s um, it's been going on and that's the night that I certainly fell in love with um, as a teenager and I think it's the night a lot of people find you know whether they grew up in the 80s or not and it really speaks to people like it it speaks to the power of um of that kind of music you know and how people right right. you know have this i mean good stuff is good stuff and time doesn't change that yeah the 80s produced you know such a diverse set of music i mean you know new wave industrial sense pop rock and roll post-punk i mean it's like it's kind of wild, you know, like the array of music and, and just how good it was. I still go into numbers on a Friday night and I'm like, I think I know my 80s. And then I walk in and I'm like, wait, I've actually never, never heard this. I mean, there's just, it's a incredible decade of music. So no wonder people are still obsessed. Yeah. And that you're still being surprised by that decade. You're right. It was an incredible concentration of creativity and so much diversity right. in that creativity that we haven't right. seen since. I don't think so. And, and you, like you said, just, you know, creativity, the fashion, the looks, my God, the hair, the makeup, the the movies, everything. And you're just creatively, there was, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff going on. Definitely. Yeah. So when you so, told people you were, um, you were making a film about the numbers nightclub, did people say, oh, yeah, totally, I get it. Or like, huh, that's interesting. It was like wildfire. So I posted like early, early on, I made a Facebook page about the film, which kind of doubled as like a share your stories, share your pictures page, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't have any content to share. Um, so once I made that page, it spread like the support and the, you know, enthusiasm, especially in Houston was like, wildfire people came out of the woodwork to share their stories to share like amazing concert pictures they had from 1985 um it kind of became a that face that early facebook page kind of became like a community of sharing all this stuff and um people were very very excited some people were a little skeptical like so young like what do you know there was a little like a little (laughs) bit of that from some people um but I was like listen rest assured I I, I'm doing my research yes I did not you know I was not there in 
the 70s when it was a gay disco and the 80s when it was, you know, all of what it was. But trust me, I'm, I'm getting my research together and you guys are helping me. So, um, no, that it, the support was like immediately there. And then it just like every year, it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And I found more and more people. And That is so great. I mean, it speaks to what a unique place Numbers is. And this is an exciting thing to bring forward because to your point, you know, everybody's heard of the limelight in New York City. Um, right. But... CBGBs, Studio 54, yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, but if you say Numbers, Houstonians get it. But if you didn't really grow up in Houston, um, then it's it's not accessible to you. And so you're really bringing it forward to a whole bunch of people who just have no idea. And I sort of love it. Like Friday, I'm in love. You describe it as a love letter to Numbers Nightclub. That is that is what it is. It is very much a love letter. It is. And uh, yeah, like you said, you know, people still have a warped perception of Texas and Houston just being probably full of, you know, oil rigs and cowboys. I mean, they're not looking to Houston for like a cutting edge alternative nightclub, you know, Um, but it was that, you know, I mean, all these, so much of the music that, that numbers played, you know, you couldn't find it anywhere else. Certainly, you know, back in the day. Um, And you probably remember record rack Um, record rack was owned by Bruce Godwin, who also owned numbers. So a lot of the music that, got especially the European stuff, the, you know, the real obscure cutting edge dance hits that you could not listen to anywhere else, certainly not on Houston radio in 1987. Um, it got funneled through the record rack, which was down the street from numbers. Um, and then through numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, people from Houston get it. And, um, and I think people outside of Houston, once they see it or once they read about it, I think it, will be of interest um, because it's, you know, every city probably has their little, you know, haunt, you know, their little iconic venue that has been a favorite, but it's also, you know, more than just the music, which, you know, numbers encompasses so much diverse music, but even if you don't like 80s music or even if you don't like, you know, new wave or whatever, um, the story of numbers really is a story of, a group of various groups of people, not just, you know, goths or punks or the LGBT. I mean, really, there's probably a better way to say this, but like the most normal looking people also go to number. I mean, it really is just a mix of, you know, you might be dancing next to a goth teenager and then like a lawyer who just got off of work. You know, I mean, it's, it really is this wild mix of people. So really at the heart of it is acceptance and inclusion. Um, that's what everyone, everyone in their interview, and I've interviewed hundreds of people everyone talks about like walking in and feeling a sense of community or just a sense of belonging a sense of acceptance especially in Houston at a time you know in the 80s and 90s when things were probably a little bit harder to be different you know um numbers always stood for come as you are open door nobody's going to judge you um and so that's at the heart of the film and I think anyone in any city can relate that idea. Most definitely. Most definitely. And that's something, you know, we all want that experience of love and acceptance. And so to have that personified in a building is extra special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think yeah. people are going to love this film. Again, it's called Friday I'm in Love, and it's part of Sound Unseen Music and Film Festival. And Friday I'm in Love is screening on November 4th at 9.15 at the Austin Film Society. You can get all the details on how to get tickets at soundunseen.com. And I tell you what, Marcus, I could go on and on with you, but we're coming close to time. So let me do this. Yeah. Let me ask you, is there anything else that you want people to know, either about the film um, or about numbers in general? Such a good question. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, it's, it's, the club is still going on every Friday night, every Saturday night. So certainly, you know, aside from learning the full history of the, of the story of numbers, which is in the film, um, you can experience numbers um, for yourself anytime you're in Houston. Of course, Friday night, hello, it's the name of the film. That's you know, the my favorite night to go. Um, and I think the, the story and the history and the events that happened in the neighborhood and that numbers will surprise people. Even people maybe from Houston will be surprised about some of the events that they didn't know about. And I'll be there in person to do a Q&A, so you can say hi to me. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's outstanding. Q&As, I, I love a Q&A at the end of a film. I do too. It's so much fun. Looking so forward to it, Marcus. And thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. Oh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I could I could do this a hundred times. I'm you know so passionate about the film and about the club. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Julie Arts, everything arts related in and around Austin. And if you did, please follow so you'll never miss an episode. If you want to hear more from Juliet, listen to Magic 95.5 weekday afternoons. She's on the air from noon to seven, keeping you company while you're at work or on that all too lengthy drive home.